Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Carrillo. Today, we have James Kendasami. James has syndicated over 2,000 units, over 10 apartment complexes worth over $160 million. So thanks so much for being on the show, James. Hey, Charles. Nice to be on your show and happy to add value wherever I can. So James is out of Austin, Texas. And uh, James, give us a little of your background prior to starting your current business, uh, Achieve. Uh, I was, uh, I, I'm an engineer with an MBA and now I have a CCIM as well, which is a commercial, a certified commercial investment member. Um, and, uh, you know, just from an engineer moved on to a real estate business full time right now, you know, we, we, we are, you know, general partners and we, you know, we raise money from private investors for apartment complexes. Okay. Awesome. So how did you, uh, why did you choose real estate as your investment vehicle when you started? Uh, so I started doing businesses, trying to do business because, you know, um, there's a lot of ways to make money in, in, in the U.S., right? So we started doing startup uh, business and we failed on that. And then after that, I tried the stock market, right? I thought, hey, it's easy, right? Stock market, right? It's well, well known around the world. You know, how smart would it be? It's the biggest puzzle in the world. And I tried to solve that and I also failed miserably because you know, no matter what the numbers I put in, I mean, I'm a numbers guy. I like to put in numbers and try to play the charts and try to buy and sell and signal. The stock market really play with your emotion. Mm -hmm. And emotion is something you can never put in numbers, right? And uh, with the technology nowadays, you can look at the stock fluctuation every second, right? And, and that never give me peace, right? So my emotion, fear of greed, you know, people say fear and greed is what controls you in the stock market for people who are like swing traders. I'm trying to do swing trading. And I failed miserably on that. Then I realized, uh, then I met someone, uh, you know, who was doing rentals, like single family rentals. Yeah, maybe, you know, that's a bit slow and all that. So uh, when I talked about it further, you know, I found out that, hey, it's pretty good and you know, a slow and steady game. And, um, it suits my personality very well because you know we want a slower investment but we want to be in control like stock market there's no control right you buy something and that's it you pray right you pray it goes up right so um and my wife likes it too she likes to remodel houses she likes to you know make the you know things uh, rehab the houses you know make it look nice so it's a very well uh, matched business with our personality right so having said that no no investment is bad every investment is good as long as you master it and it matches your personality right uh, obviously, there's a certain advantage in, in uh, real estate that doesn't exist in anywhere else, like the tax benefit, um, the you know the leverage that you can put in. You can take a mortgage. You know, uh, you can also buy below value, like stock market. You can never buy below value. Right? Whatever value that I show you right now, that's the value you're buying, right? But but real estate is not like that. Real estate you can always buy below market value. If you buy a distressed asset, you're buying below market value. You can go and buy directly from the seller. So it's a one-to-one, -one, no middleman transaction in real estate. But as stock market, you have to go to 3D Ametrade, E-Trade, all kind of middleman, and you pay a lot of fees. I mean, of course, the fees sounds very small, but that's a lot of fees, right? Billions of dollars when so many people are doing it. And you got no control in stock market, right? Whereas real estate, you can control. You can decide on what kind of kitchen countertop you want to put in. Right? You can decide which house to buy. So you can, there's a lot of decision that's all owned by us, owned by the business owner, and that makes a lot of difference.
for us, right? So, and real estate is everywhere, right? If you can look around, there's houses everywhere, right? And, and um, you know, so that's why we chose uh, real estate. It's, it's very matching to our personality. It has a lot of benefits in terms of investment and, and we want to be in control of our investment, right? So that's why we chose real estate. So tell us a little bit about your first couple of real estate deals. First couple, uh, we bought house uh, houses on rentals, and you know, um, let me think. Um, yeah, house rentals. We had like thirteen houses in the beginning for two years, and then we buy all distress and we remodel them and we rent it out. A strategy called BRR, right? Buy rehab, refinance, and uh, rent as well. Right? Buy rent, sorry, buy rehab, rent, and refinance, right? So I need to make sure all the R's are correct. <laughs> so, so we did that and then we pulled out a lot of equity when we refinanced, um, uh, but that's where we got started. And after that, our first multifamily is basically the 45 units that we have. Okay, awesome. So with your current company right now, Achieve Investment Group, what is your investment strategy and your criteria when you're looking at deals? We like to buy things at a discount. Uh, we don't go for every deal. We do not go for cash and cash on day one because, uh, um, I mean, there's a lot of people who buys that, right? So we like to go for a deal with a story, right? What is the story? Is there a distress story? Is there, you know, some hair on the deal that I can buy it at a good price? Because for me, it's all about risk management, right? Uh, buying another deal, which is cash flowing on day one and bid speeding with 10, 15 people or 20, 30 people, we don't do that because that's a normal process, right? I like to really go and buy deals which other people don't get. And that gives me a lot of satisfaction, right? The, the last deal we recently closed uh, three weeks ago is a forbearance deal, mm. right? So that's the only forbearance deal that I known that someone has closed. So that feels good for me because I got it at a really good price, really good basis. And not many people can do that, right? People don't touch this kind of deal because it's in a distress situation you know, you're buying it how you're turning it around and all that, that makes a lot of difference in terms of your long-term vision and what gives you satisfaction. So, so that's where I like to buy that kind of deals, which has a lot of meat on the bone, a lot of value add, and it just reduces your risk in investment, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so that are the types of deals that I like to look for. Yeah, it's definitely an imperfect market. And that's the thing I love about real estate too, is that when you're buying stocks, it's a set, it's perfect market, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what the value is, and that's a problem when you're trying to get a discount on it. Um, so the thing is that uh, when buying real estate, you talk a lot about the off-market deal sourcing. And it's something that I agree with fully. Every time I speak to syndicators and mention this, they always say it's a waste of time on larger deals, even though we have found multifamily deals 40 plus through just the direct mail, right? Can you give us an overview of how you source off-market deals, maybe with that previous property that you were uh, last talking about, how you found it? Yeah, that was found as an off-market uh, through a broker, but mm -hmm. there was many brokers looking at it, right? But this was an off-market through a broker, but they want, they need to find the right buyer who's willing to you know do a loan assumption, who's willing to buy it very quickly because there's so many people looking at it. And we put that deal under contract in three days from the day I got the news, the next Today I got the news, tomorrow I drove it, the next day we put it under contract, that's it. And they need people like that, who people can assess very quickly and move on it, right? I mean, there were a lot of other people looking at it, but they were like, yeah, I wanna do this, I wanna underwrite, I wanna look at this, I wanna look at that, I do not know, I'm not sure kind of thing, right? So it's just people who knows exactly what's their plan and who are local operators, uh, who can estimate uh, rehab costs just by driving around. Who can close. 
who can and yeah who can close to and we close that deal that's a loan assumption deal in 50 days which is crazy right so loan assumption takes a lot of time yeah. and that is just one example of deals which has you know which is not everyone can do it at the same time you're the right buyer and move on quickly right we found a lot of off-market deals as what you said 40 plus units you know you found through direct marketing and um, it's for the people who are you know, who are aggressive and active, who want to buy really good deals, right? I mean, if you want to be the normal guys, you can go and do bidding and buy it, right? So we found a lot of deals through our direct marketing as well. Like the first 45 units we found through, uh, through our tax blasting and yellow letter mm -hmm. marketing. Yeah. And after that, we bought another 174 units through the same method. Um, and, uh, you know, we basically bought that at a really good basis. I mean, of course, it's a lot of work, yeah. but that's where you make the money, right? Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's an imperfect market, right? Yeah. That's where you make the money, right? Um, well, that's why you have, you have, uh, you know, you have your limited partners, your passive investors that are coming to you. They want to <laughs> buy properties. They want to invest in properties that are at a discount, right? Yeah. Anybody, and also yeah. they want, they want to, they want to invest with someone special, right? If you claim right. you are a syndicator and you know, all the skills, what is special with you compared to them buying themselves, right? I mean, they can go to a bidding war and buy it themselves too, yeah. right? If they want, right? But if you are a special guy, a special syndicator who can turn around properties and you can, you are the only one, not say you are the only one, you're one of the very few who can find these kind of deals. Mm -hmm. They know they got no choice of, you know, investing with you, right? So mm -hmm. go ahead. So what marketing channels do you utilize? You said text blasting, what other ones I do you I use text like blasting, uh, yellow letter marketing, um, you know, uh, cold calling as well. Uh, we try all methods. Uh, it becomes harder as you go bigger, uh, 200 plus units, but you know, uh, I would say it still works. You know, you just have to do a lot more of it, right? And and I, I think a time invested versus, a, I mean, return of investment, return of time, doing that method is much, much higher compared to you go and looking at 100 deals, which is email blasted to everyone. And you go through a text, I mean, you go to a bidding war and then you win the war, but you're probably the most overpaying guy there, right? <laughs> yeah, I won. I got a deal. I tell everyone, but... Hey, you know what? I paid the most. <laughs> so I think the return of investment of looking for off-market deals is much, much, much higher. Uh, yeah, I find that all the time too. Uh, with I just find that it's a much longer time frame. The larger the property, the usually the longer the time frame I have uh, from the time that I initiate contact to the time that I'm actually. Uh, mm -hmm. getting into contract, uh, getting initiate contact to the time you're getting to a contract. Um, mm -hmm. Do you outsource any part of the process? You mentioned cold calling, which can be pretty time intensive. Right now I have some VAs doing it. Uh, you know, uh, in the beginning I was doing it myself. Uh, even though I'm still doing all that, it's just like you know, maybe like 10, 20% of my overall effort. I usually wait for deals to come to me because usually brokers knows me and they know some deals not everyone can do, right? So, you know, I'm not really rushing to buy deals every month, or every two months, right? I know there's so much capital out there. There's so many people doing deals, but I'd rather do deals, which I really, really like, which I think there's low risk, uh, difficult uh, compared to, you know, just doing, keep on doing deals just because people are willing to throw money to you. Right. Yeah, and, and you're generating just acquisition fees that the syndicators are living off of. Oh, which... there's so many of them out there, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, we are at the peak of the market. I mean, of course, with COVID, everything come down, but multifamily didn't really, really didn't crash. So people think multifamily is still a very good investment. It is a very good investment, but they are also distressed in the market, which people are not talking about, right? So um, we are in a recession period right now, um, no doubt about that. And you know, if, I think it's it's a it's a wrong strategy to buy aggressively at this stage. And if you buy, you should buy a recession-priced asset. 
not the normal bidding war price asset, right? So <laughs> 25 bids on it and you want it, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. And they oh. do a best and final and they do best and best and final. And then they say day one hard money and then there's 500,000, $1 million day one hard money. I mean, it's all, I mean, I, I mean, it's nothing wrong with that. It's just that I think it's very high risk. Yeah, it's extremely high risk. And it's one of the things is that um, when you're doing that, one of the best things about getting, when you're doing it off market, even if you're not getting, a huge discount on price, you're in the situation where possibly you're the only person that's putting in an LOI with that seller at that moment. So it's not the push where, oh, you got to go hard like this weekend and you've got to do this and you've got to do that and all this kind of stuff. And um, you give it, I think, you, you know, you, you, you have to know quick, like you said, you got that deal because you were able to go and contract in three uh -huh. days and the brokers knew that. But it's also one of the things too, is you, you hopefully are avoiding any type of bidding war so that um, you can, you can, you really have the seller and the seller's agent to yourself. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, bidding war and the other thing is uh, you're avoiding like day one hot money, right? I mean, there's mm -hmm. a lot of people who found issues on the property after day one hot money and they cannot do anything. They have to just keep on closing, like right? hoping that whatever they found can be forgiven by the market later on, right? Mm -hmm. It's very hard to know everything about the property when you're under time pressure and you're already locked in because of day one hot money. Yeah, I mean, you you have to be able to. You're you're doing very very in depth underwriting, be in due diligence prior to even putting in. You know, uh -huh. the, putting it in. So, uh -huh. I don't know. That's not what normal people do. I think they're just writing in. You know, some percentage that they know that something's going to go wrong, and uh -huh. um, they just have to do it just so they can generate some acquisition fees, uh -huh. which is not the best way I feel for uh -huh. investing in real estate. Yeah, there's so much of hype on uh, syndication and multifamily and all that. People, you know, spend a lot of money going mentoring program and, you know, telling everyone the whole world they're doing this and now they're under the gun of doing a deal. Mm. And every, every day pass by without doing a deal, they feel like they're missing out, right? So sometimes they, you know, they take the jump off the cliff to take some, you know, deal, uh, even though it's risky, you know, their mind's already set. This is a deal, I already got it. I don't want to lose this, right? Because I already waited one year, right? And I told like the whole world that I'm doing multifamily, right? So it's a very tricky situation. Um, I always advise, I mean, I have some of my students as well. I've advised them, you know, don't worry about, you know, looking at other people closing deal or what. I mean, take your time. The first deal you do, if you do a really, really good deal, that's going to launch your career into a very high level, yeah. right? Just be careful. I mean, as I said, this is a recessionary period. Don't be aggressive, you know? Um, you know, stay patient. Yeah, stay patient. That's definitely it. What is um when you're doing all your text messaging stuff? What what is the usual time frame? Like I said, it was it's a pretty long process. Some of them going over a year. Um, what to the when you begin contacting and speaking, and someone's actually interested in listening to you, mm -hmm. or they're returning your text message or your call, um, to the time that you're going under contract. I mean, for these larger assets, because I think most people are used to doing it on smaller assets. So it's a much okay. quicker, like, you know, if you're, you're wholesaling properties, you're direct mailing, you're getting someone that's very motivated um, because you, you targeted them on a list. What about for the multifamily? So if someone's doing this, what they, what can they expect month wise, years wise? I think every three months, three months, six months, once is good. Um, the key thing is to at least build a repo, right? So, you know, sometimes people have smaller deals, but they also have smaller deals and bigger deals, but they, you might be just targeted them to that smaller deal. So, so the key is to find someone who likes you, who want to help you. And there are a lot of people who they're out there, they see someone, you know, when you when you build that repo, they really want to help you out, right? So they don't mind sending a small um, a deal, which is small. 
as long as you know what you're talking about, right? They do not want to deal with someone multi-million dollar deal, and this guy is like, you know, out of the bootcamp and doesn't know what he's talking about or is too new, right? So you have to do your due diligence. You have to be really, really ready to take down even a small 50 unit deal, right? So once you know the lingo, once you know what you're talking about, then you do a 50 unit deal and the seller might say, hey, you know, actually I have a 200 unit deal too, right? Do you want to do it? And the first experience can make a lot of difference if they really see that you're making the whole thing smooth. As I said, the person who are doing, even for a small deal, you have to be really, really ready. You have to know your financing, you have to know your team, uh, you have to know how to underwrite, you have to say what is yes for what and what is no for what, right? In, in terms of negotiation with the seller. So he knows, I mean, the seller will know that you know what you're talking about, at least to a certain level. Right, and um, and that's where you get into the bigger deals, right? Um, you know, for the larger ones, uh, it's a bit more tricky. But as I say, that's what brokers do, right? Uh, brokers do look for bigger deals for them to sell through marketing, right? The brokers doesn't pop up from somewhere and they start doing you know millions of deals. Right? They also do the hard work of connecting through sellers. Um, they have that luxury of being a third party, saying that I'm gonna I'm gonna be on your side rather than just mm-hmm. like I want to buy your deal, right? Which is a uh, which is a more, you know, um, something that the sellers may think that, you know, you're trying to you know, undercut their price, right? So, um, yeah, it takes like six months once and it's a slow, slow, uh, slow dance. Yeah. It's a slow thing, but like anything, if you're, if you're consistent with it, it will pay off. Uh-huh. But um, normally, if you're dealing with larger multifamily, there's usually less of it than if you're dealing with like, you know, uh, multifamily starting at two units and up. Uh-huh. So it's one of those things where it just takes time. Uh-huh. What mistakes have you made with this form of direct to owner marketing that you uh, eventually create uh, corrected? Ah, mistakes. Uh, I, have, I've, I have cases where um, I'm thinking what mistake. I mean, probably not being consistent is a mistake. I mean, uh, I have done a few and the problem is once I do one deal, we are stuck on it for six months. We don't, we don't go and do any more marketing until we, until we stabilize the first deal and we go and do marketing again, right? So that's a mistake. Um, if I've done it more consistently, I would have got you know, a pipeline full of deals, but it's also, it's also situational, right? When you're new, you want to focus on your first deal. You want to get it right, you know, and you are small, right? You can't be like hiring like, you know, assistance after assistant, um, which is may not be possible when you're new, right? So uh, I don't know whether it's a mistake or not, but that is something that if I've done uh, more professionally, consistently, you know, I would have got a lot more deals in the beginning. Um, but as I said, I was new and, um, you know, I'm not a guy coming in with, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars into this, into this uh business when I started on multifamily. I mean, I started with single family and I was so happy getting a 45 units under contract. <laughs> so I forgot everything else. I just go and focus on one. And, and uh, it took us another one more year to find another 174 units. Okay. Awesome. So you and uh, Achieve are proponents of being vertically integrated. What mm-hmm. other complementary businesses do you own or run? And how does that help you to minimize hassles and increase returns? Um, I wouldn't say whether we're a proponent of vertically integrated. We are vertically integrated because we want to do it. We are just so uh, much value at guys. Uh, we want to have control on our assets and it's just so much cheaper for us to do. Uh, investors get you know, the payback for that. That's why we are vertically integrated. What other things? We also have constructions. Uh, we also have a small med- mentoring program, education program for people to uh, come and learn from us. Mm-hmm. Um and it's a method for me to help others at the same time to deflect time wasters, 
right? <laughs> so many people want to pick my brain, right? So I when I tell them, hey, this is what you you know, if you want to take my time, which is a fair thing, right? I, you know, you want to separate people who are serious versus people who are just you know kicking the tires and wasting time and not taking action. Uh, we also have our own uh, Achieve Cash Foundation, which is our foundation to help uh, you know uh, orphans to get education. Uh, we have like 300 kids right now that we're helping on a monthly basis. Um, and uh, that's it, right? Um, yeah, that's the that's the vertical integration of all our companies. You know, we are so busy right now, even with that. Uh, but our asset management, property management is the two biggest uh, okay. uh, component of it. Yeah, the property management is definitely something when you have that many units. When did you take that in-house? Um, did you, was there a set number of units? that you did it? Was it because you had issues with all the third-party managers? Um, what was oh, the We reason? did it from day one. Okay. Day one from first 45 units of multifamily, we started uh, asset managing because, you know, 45 is a bit hard to find a property management company because either they charge you very high or they charge you less, but they put you a part-time manager, which was not what we want. So we want to want a full-time manager. We just manage it ourselves. It's a bit harder work in the beginning, but we just continue build on, building on from, from there. Yeah. That's right in the space where you don't really need a full-time manager, but you yeah. want one and it's not big enough yet. So kind Correct. of forces you to find another deal right away to get some scale, right? Well, it took us another one more year to find a deal, but, but it all paid off. So you work with a lot of new investors. What mistakes do you commonly see new or experienced uh, real estate investors make? Oh, even new and experienced investors, they look at numbers. They look at return and they decide whether the deal is good or not. Okay. So that's the biggest mistake I see. Oh, this this deal is this problem that deal. Well, the biggest for me is all about the sponsor, right? Mm, so, yeah. you know, I can put whatever I want in my Excel spreadsheet. It's an Excel spreadsheet, right? Investors doesn't know what is the assumptions going behind the Excel spreadsheet. And most sponsors wouldn't, they probably articulate it, but investors very hard for them to really understand what are the assumptions, right? I mean, we can put whatever we want on Excel, but... I think the sponsor has a good track record as being very communicative. You know, you can align well with the sponsor uh, and you can see they have a business experience. Uh, that's the sponsor I want to go for because they are, they have much better accuracy in, in, in their prediction compared to a, a sponsor who doesn't know what they're doing. And, um, you know, so, um, and you can tweak the numbers, whatever you want, just to raise the money. Right. So, so that's the biggest mistake I see, you know, uh, investors. Uh, uh, the second biggest mistake would be, you know, investing with people who are not operators. I mean, there's a lot of people who are, you know, in the general partnership, some are operators, some are deal finders, some are property management companies, some, a lot of them are equity raisers, right? So sometimes we have been investing money with the equity raisers and, you know, after some time they realize the equity raisers are not really the decision makers, right? So at least you have to, it's okay to invest with equity raisers, equity raisers just because they have the biggest channel, but you have to really know who is the operator behind the deal, who is the business plan owner, who is going to execute this who's the real guy behind it, right? So at least you find him or find her and make sure that he's the best guy that you're really looking for to safeguard your investment. Yeah. That makes sense. The other thing too about the sponsorship, just on top of that is um, mm -hmm. I find with the wealthiest investors I work with, it's more of investing into the sponsor, not into the deal. Yeah, absolutely. So, and that's with, uh, I, I, I've changed my thinking over, over the past decade into thinking that way as well. When I passively invested into different asset classes within real estate or other, yeah. other assets. So it's, it's definitely a huge mind shift because people, you know, some people that like tear apart your Excel spreadsheet about stuff and you're saying, okay, well, 
but it's really who's the person that, like you said, executing the, and what's their track record and uh, what's their experience with what you're actually doing in that, in that, um, in that uh -huh. class. Uh -huh. So what factors have you and your team implemented in your life and business that have led to your success? Ah, that's a very tough question because uh, I still think that I'm busy, too busy doing a lot of things. Uh, so we're trying to put in a lot of process and systems. Um, it's just finding good deals and working hard to turn around the deals, right? So we have, my wife is running the property management part of it. I'm running the asset. I'm very passionate about finding really good deals uh, below market value, you know, deals that we don't find. And once I buy it, you know, her job is to turn around. So, so she's really good at turning around the property. So mm -hmm. I think these two combination works very well. Uh, but we are like 2,000 units, 10 properties. So we are trying to build our our corporate team uh, well enough so that you know we can you know um, we can reduce our you know um, trivial task time wasters. At the same time, we want to grow as well. But we want to okay. grow elegantly. Yeah, awesome. So, how can our listeners learn more about you and your company, James? Uh, my company is achieveinvestmentgroup.com, right? So A-C-H-I-E-V-E, -E, like achieving a goal, achieveinvestmentgroup.com. My email is james at achieveinvestmentgroup.com. If anyone want to come and, uh, you know, just come to my website. If anyone want to look at how to invest, there's an invest with us or register with us button. You can click and fill up a form. Um, I also have my own book, which is called a Passive Investing in Commercial Real Estate. Uh, if you can see this. Yeah. Uh, it's a best-selling book. Uh, we have sold more than 2,000 copies. Uh, top 15 book by Jim Cramer. Um, uh, Jim Cramer, The Street, uh, for real estate book and investing. And uh, it's an Amazon, uh, 20 bucks for physical book. And there's an audible book as well. But for your audience, you can uh, get my book for free if you go to this website called PassiveInvestingInRealEstate.com. Okay. PassiveInvestingInRealEstate.com. You go there and get the book for free. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, James, for being on today and uh, looking forward to connecting with you in the future. And I'll put all the links into the show and YouTube notes. Absolutely, Charles. Thanks for having me. Hopefully I really add value to your audience. You definitely did. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Hi guys, it's Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in getting involved with real estate, but you don't know where to begin, set up a free 30-minute strategy call with me at schedulecharles.com. That's schedulecharles.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Syndication Superstars Incorporated exclusively.